Welcome to Masters of Self University Podcast, your highest source of sacred truths and universal wisdom. Hello, beautiful souls. I'm Rachel Fiore, mystic, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and founder of Masters of Self University. Join our journey of soul transformation as we deep dive into this latest episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Masters of Self University podcast. I'm your host, Ellie Lee. And I'm your host, Danny Morley. And today we are joined with MSU mystical life coach, Rachel Baker, everybody. Rachel Baker. Hey, hey. <laughs> Rachel, uh, we're so excited to have you on. Let's just jump right on in. What kind of you know, allured you to MSU? Because I remember you you were in my class the first time and then you moved to another class. And um, seeing you from the first class and seeing you now, I can honestly say it's two different people. And so I would love to hear your story on what made you take the leap of faith. Mm. It's a long journey working up to that spot. So a lot of details, but I've, I've always been a seeker. And I've always known that there's a whole lot more to be had. And I was looking for my next teacher and the next teacher showed up. And um, I think the major allure or the major attraction was watching her on a podcast with Paul Check, And then I went and saw her with Josh Trent. I went directly to her website and did the relationship mini master course immediately did the emotional intelligence. And I was like, this lady speaking my language, this is what I'm doing next. <laughs> Wasn't any doubt. It was like, yep, this is what I'm doing next. And I came into the program with a lot of arrogance and shitty behavior and shitty attitude. And I got adjusted right quick. <laughs> yeah, she'll do that. She'll whip you into shape. Um, I've been working with athletes and clients for 22 years. So I have a lot of practice with coaching people. Um. And I'm really good at working with other people, but as it related to my own self, I was, I was, I'm really hard on myself and I was arrogant and, and kind of acting like an asshole, to be honest with you. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. You have a, you, when I spoke to you, you had a, have had quite the journey in your spiritual path. And I feel like when you came upon Rachel and MSU, it was like all the pieces came together for you. But could you talk a little bit about, because you've done a lot of work with shamans and things like that before. Can you speak on that yeah. a little bit? So in between the years of 2009 and 2011, I don't even know because that time for my life was a big fat blur. Um, but somewhere in there, like shit hit the proverbial fan and I was on the floor and I went on a deep search for everything. I would say a deep search for meaning, but that 
that doesn't even put into words what really happened then. But it was like um, a big old fat smack in the face. And I went to the Czech Institute to get my level one holistic lifestyle coach certification then. And it was a massive adjustment. Everything in my life changed after that certification. Proceeded to get level two. Um, proceeded to move to Costa Rica and work with uh, plant medicine and ayahuasca for five years. Not primarily working with ayahuasca down there. I was also coaching people and I was doing other things with my life, but I was really working with ayahuasca um, pretty intensely. And then I went to do my level three with Paul Check, And the work with ayahuasca really helped me understand how much was in there and kept bringing a lot of pain to the surface and um, teaching me, teaching me what self-love was and teaching me what love actually was. That was really confusing for me. I grew up with a lot of patterns and conditioning that weren't love. And so to see what love could, and this is super, super important for me, <laughs> To, fee to, to see what it could feel like to open yourself up to these things. And I realized that I had closed myself off to feelings of bliss, joy, excitement, happiness. It was always about grief, sadness, suffering, all of the yuck. And I wasn't really letting myself feel a lot of the yummy stuff in life. Um, so ayahuasca really opened that feeling center up. And I said, oh man, that might be what bliss feels like. Very cool. I think I'm going to try to take this into my life. But then when you go to try to take that feeling into your life, but you haven't created that in your life, <laughs> you go hunting for it and you can't find it. And there's a lot of wounds deep in here that have not been addressed. Mm -hmm. So you go looking for those feelings again, but you're operating through the filter or through the lens of woundedness, but you don't know that you are. Mm -hmm. From my experience, you can't access those blissful states until you've really gone in and done the work to heal the, uh, the wounded aspects. Uh, and even mm -hmm. so through this work, I've definitely found that the more that I the more that I heal and, and focus on just deeply connecting to heart, bliss arrives spontaneously. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll find myself in state, more states of bliss, but then new waves of the healing will, of all of my programs and wounds will come <laughs> in. And, and then I'm not in bliss. And then I'm very aware of the difference between, okay, I see where I was, I see where I'm trying to go, but now I'm in this thing and why am I here? And then going into that and then that's the side of it where it's like, okay, I'm going to, what is it that I'm feeling right now and why aren't I in bliss? But yeah. the more and more that I found that I heal, the more that I'm able to just naturally, not that I'm trying to get there, but um, it just naturally arises a lot more. And then when, if I do sit down and really go into my heart and just try and open as much as possible, I have found states of bliss um just from go just from like giving it attention and going in and opening uh, and the more that i'm able to open the more that i'm able to find that bliss um yeah. is that 
something you feel in this way you're still working on the bliss well what's interesting and and uh, i love this so much is that i felt that bliss then i i recognized that within the human experience feeling crappy has bliss in it too mm. and yeah, definitely. i'm not i'm i'm not negatively affected by almost any experience now i'm just like oh <laughs> mm. this is the the experience of feeling crappy isn't that cool that i can feel this mm. i'm not numb to feeling crappy i'm not numb to feeling bliss and in fact within the spaces of feeling crappy i can find bliss <laughs> Mm. Uh, it sounds exactly, really sadistic yeah, I made a video <laughs> yes and no it's just you know when, when you get to a certain level with this work um, when you can actually see the beauty and pain that's when you really start to transform and that's what you're talking about it's like you know you're, you're going through a challenging time you're feeling maybe a maybe unwanted emotion for most people but you're at a level now where for you there is no good or bad it's just well this is what it is and actually i see the beauty in what this experience is offering right now even though it might not be something that makes you quote unquote happy um, <laughs> you're able to see pull out the nuggets and see that even this pain oh i see how beautiful this is and that's love mm -hmm. you know rachel always uh, rachel fiore Got two Rachels in the house. <laughs> Rachel, Fiore. Yeah, Rachel Fiore always says, you know, love is a state of being. Um, it's not an emotion, it's a state of being. And, and to me, that's exactly what it is. It's when we're in the state of being of love, we're able to see the beauty in everything, whether good or bad, unwanted, unwanted. Whatever we go through, we're able to see the beauty and the pain. Uh, and that's amazing that you've got there. I'm I'm still very much working yeah. uh, on the, on myself getting there. Just just yesterday, well, you know, lost lost in programs and uh, yeah. evolution. Well, I was very very lucky. I do have to say, of all of the facilitators and all of the medicine workers and the shamans out there, I met two amazing teachers that that is their message and so when i heard rachel it it was already it was already my language because of the last six years of hearing it repeated through circles through ceremonies and i was so lucky to have these teachers say listen ayahuasca is an ally you go to the mm -hmm. medicine to work with her you don't give her all your power or mm -hmm. You're going to have some things come up that are very painful. And the most important part for you is to sit there and be with your pain and to, to love it. And that's what these two men and uh, women uh, couples were teaching me. Mm. I did not know how to do that. I knew how to be with the dark. I have no problem dealing with dark entities or dark energies or dark spirits. I was like, all right bring it on but i you know rachel's work takes it to a new level 
where we're then doing something with the dark energy. We're doing something with the entities. We're doing something with the feelings that are coming up. We're doing something with the collective trauma that is very different than just sitting idly by and being an observer. You are now doing something about it in order to bring it back to the, its, its original state. Yeah, you know, you, your experience is, is, I think, a really good story for a lot of people because I think that people look at ayahuasca or plant medicine as a way out. And for someone like you who has spent so much time with it, even when you're back into reality, it's like, well, how do I bring that bliss back? And that's where, like, the wall comes up, right? And that's that's what Rachel mm -hmm. teaches is, like, you know, we're obviously hoping to get to a place of enlightenment where we never need plant medicine, where we're just really in our power and we can do everything within ourselves. But um, I think your story is really important for people out there who want to look at plant medicine as a way of escape, as a, as the answer. And it's like, it's not the answer because it's still outside of you. Mm -hmm. And this work teaches you that everything is within. And so that's where the beauty happens now, Rachel, you can go do ayahuasca with all of these tools that you have learning how to love and opening your heart and going into the pain and the darkness with the light that you are. And I think that's what makes this work so vastly different from, and it's so simple, right? It's like, we're always like, we've always been scouring out there, out there, out there. And it's like the whole time the universe is like, no, it's right in here. Like look down into your heart. It's like, oh, it's been here. Nobody told me that. And so I think that's, that's, <laughs> I feel like that's a real, a huge part of your mission, Rachel, is really being a representative of that and really telling that story. And, you know, I always see you, Rachel, as you're a badass, you know, like you, that you, you know how to show up um, mm -hmm. as yourself really powerfully. But then to see you in this really beautiful state of love and the way that you've transformed and the way you go into your darkness with the light and the way that you show up for other coaches and things like that is just such a testament of how much work that you've done on yourself. And so I'd love to hear about your biggest transformation during this time, because I really remember you the first, you don't even look like the first time that I saw you, you look physically different as well. And so I'd love for you to talk about what was that moment that it really like clicked in you and everything started to shift. Hmm. The, the exact moment that, that I noticed, holy crap, this, this work is very different of all of the modalities of all the certifications and all of the work and the self-help books. I should bring you into my library right now to show you. <laughs> Have you got a Paul Check library of a million dollars? Not yet. Man. Well, luckily, I got a hold of Paul, Rachel Fiore before that ended up happening. Um, <laughs> Too lost in the mind, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my daughter. My daughter was the first moment we were, I think we were in her room. She was pissed about something. And uh, she had just come into her big temper tantrums, her big, big energy stuff. She was screaming at the top of her lungs. And prior to this, she went into these temper tantrums and she had all this big energy. I would feel terror run through my system. I would feel so hot and bothered. <laughs> like... I needed to support her in some way. Um, I wanted to do this right. I wanted to show up as a mom for her in a way that was 
feminine divine and masculine love you know like i wanted to bring this balance in but there was so much terror that was running through me like agitation irritation a desire to save her from herself so the first moment that i recognized that rachel's work was very very different because i freaking took this on like a college course i took it very seriously from second one is when she was screaming at the top of her lungs and she was pissed about something telling me that she hated me and she wishes that she chose the different mother and all this stuff. <laughs> I know, right? I hate you. Mm. I wish I would have chose a different mother. You're the worst mom ever. Because I wouldn't give her the rest of the gummies that were in the package. And I didn't feel anything. Mm. Oh. Mm. Huh. I don't feel activated at all right now. I've healed something in myself. Mm. And whereas in the past, the same situation would have led to, as you said, like all this terror pulsing through your body and. Fight, flight, freeze. Because mm. if you show up like that in my house growing up, bad shit's coming down yeah i had to heal that in my toddler right mm -hmm. and then you know you being a mom to such a big energetic child i mean every time you talk about your daughter i'm like oh she's a she's fire she's just <laughs> she's a wildfire just blazing through the forest that's exactly your daughter um, when you show up and you're not activated and you're healing, how does that affect her? And I'm sure she feels it. Oh, Ellie, <laughs> the massive difference with this kid, it's mind blowing. We went from having kind of this like, you know, kind of conflict to seconds later, her saying something like, Mommy, I'm just so scared and I just want to be with you forever. Wow. Or her being able to voice. I just don't know how I, I feel so much in my body and I just, I don't know what it is. And the first thing that came out of my mouth was, I hate you, but it really, I really love you. And I just want to be close to you. Mm. And so we transition quickly now into the need for connection. Hmm. instead of oh my god what am I doing wrong how can I support her how can I protect her me going off into a other room and like looking it up in one of my many self-help books about yeah parenting 101 what to do right. when your child hates you and wants to move out of the house at age three like that's not in there hmm. yeah I want connection the mommy. secrets are all in here yeah. 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 Language is limiting. She feels overwhelmed. She's overstimulated. She's hungry. She's tired. And what comes out of her mouth? I hate you, bitch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who would have known? Mm -hmm. Well, really beautiful. Uh, you mentioned, Rachel, that you coach athletes. And so I'd love to get into 
how that's changed you as a coach and how you show up for your clients in this way now mm. that you started this work because I'm sure it's a, the 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 it's been flipped it's been flipped on its back so uh, what what changes have you seen in you and then how does it affect your clients now oh I take things I take things not personally anymore which is fabulous mm. um, you've got an issue you own it I take responsibility much quicker for a way that I show up. But I think the most profound thing that has happened for my runners, because I coach trail runners, is noticing in their body where they're holding on to pain and that it's not always physical pain, that it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's mental pain as well. And being able to, from their level, address it immediately concisely and to the language they can understand. Yes. And for instance, I had a, an athlete that I was assessing and I don't know you guys, but I just said, because he was um, interviewing for a scholarship and his times were not what they needed to be. And it was because of one particular part of his running and that's downhill running and downhill running with trail or cross country is a much different baby. You have to let it rip. If you want to win, you have to let it go. And I've always been really good at letting it go. And I, I now know after the work with Rachel, why I've always been able to just freely let that shit go. But I'm looking at this guy and the first thing I said, you guys, was who's the first person in your life that told you you can't run downhill fast? Ooh. He stopped in his tracks and he, I'm getting goosebumps right now. He stops in his tracks and he says, well, my mom, my mom always tried to protect me. She never let me run really fast because she told me I was going to fall down and hurt myself. Mm. Wow. Wow. So that's still okay. In the mental field of this athlete now when you're wow. running you know you're not you're not in your con you know you're not focusing on being conscious you're focusing on not tripping on that rock and busting your face open that's literally what you're focused on you're focused on toes up knees up don't kill myself especially when you're running you know five and a half six minute miles down a really rocky terrain you're flying. I mean, these people are flying and I used to fly, but I don't fly as fast as I used to, but they're flying. So you're not focused on, oh, you know, my mommy told me that I shouldn't be running this fast <laughs> downhill because I might trip. And those are the mental programs and the emotional programs that are running in the background. And you don't even know that they are. And so it's just like core work. If you don't do your core work as land training, your internal obliques are probably not going to fire when you go running. Right? Yeah. And so after after he had this realization, did did everything change for him? Not everything, there's definitely resistance. Mm. There's resistance yeah. to, he didn't sign up for a coaching program with me that had anything to do with mental and emotional programs. Mm -hmm. 
So when you hear that you have a mommy issue and that's holding your running back, you're first kind of smacked in the face, you know, like what the yeah. hell is she talking about? <laughs> but then he came back a few weeks later and he's like, I started journaling all the times when I was told that I couldn't do something. And it's helped me so much in so many other areas of my life. And I can't even believe that this is happening to me. And I want to thank you because you started that off for me. Mm. Yeah. Really cool. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I don't know yeah, if he's running sure five and a half minute miles. <laughs> I'm sure that, if he Danny? came to you for the, uh, the mental and emotional uh, healing aspect, then it would extremely help him in his, his running book. The problem is, is that only the first stage of our healing is awareness. So you allowing him to maybe start to think about that, like that's not going to cause the shift in energy for him to be able to just run. It doesn't, that's just the first step is, is all becoming aware. Second step, let me do something about it now. And then the third step is, you know, actually going in and finding, uh, finding that pain and being able to bring our love to it. And that's the hard part. That's the mm -hmm. really, really difficult part. And that's what we as coaches here at MSU are are here for. We're here to help you go in and and find parts of your yourself that you've lost and find these bits of you that need love. Um, what was the biggest wound that you had to work through um, through your, your healing journey so far that you really had to bring love for for your inner child? Is there one big wound that really mm -hmm. stands out yeah. Um, my narcissistic tendencies. I was um, triathlete, overachiever, ultra marathoner, in it to win it, you name it. And all of that was amazing in itself on that on the outside part of the awesomeness of that experience is also the tendency to want to be top dog and to do anything that it takes to get there. Literally step on you to get where I needed to be. And I needed to transform that. Mm. Yeah, that's huge. I, I remember watching your journey with really going into the narcissism and I could feel how heavy it was and how thick it was and how much you transmuted because you know, narcissism is a tricky one that's it's a tricky tricky wound and you don't even know that of how much you absorbed of that until you really go into it and then it's like heading straight you know diving straight into that is really a lot of reflection on self and really how do you show up in all those ways and so um, seeing you really go into that was really inspiring and admirable. And so how, you know, where are you at with that now? Cause I also know that, you know, that was showing up even, you know, in your relationship and things like that and how you were parenting. And so going into that wound, can you talk a little bit about that and what that, what, where you are with that now? Mm. I'm now at a space where I'm very grateful to have my husband in my life. I have gratitude and appreciation for him as a person. 
instead of looking at him as a way for me to get my needs met. Mm. So it sounds like a bit of codependence was uh, kind of interwoven with the narcissism. Oh, I don't even know. Because it was just about me. It, it, it didn't even, it, it was so narcissistic that it only included me at many turns because it's a survival program. How am I going to survive all of this? <laughs> and so it's like, this is about me and how I'm going to get me taken care of for a, for a lot of the little levels in our relationship. And thank God he is such a loving, open heart just by nature that he loves me even though I was showing up in some of those ways. And we've had some really super rough things happen in our marriage. <laughs> I like really gnarly things. But it's because he has a huge loving heart and because at my core, I am a loving divine being that we've been able to get through all of this. Because notice I said narcissistic tendencies coming from a narcissistic wound that is activated by certain things. And when activated, that's when she behaves like that. But when she isn't activated, she doesn't behave like that. And so that's where the tricky part comes in. Mm. Mm. I'm definitely going to be um, listening to this back and, and taking notes because it's essentially a wound that I'm currently uh, currently trying to work through is, uh, you know, I see these tendencies show up in my relationship. Um, and it's really difficult to look at. It's, uh, it's not, it's not a particular nice one. And I, I, whenever it shows up and I realize that I'm behaving like that, it, um, it's hard, it's horrible. And it, I know it's not me. And I'm, I'm really trying to find love for that, that part of me. And I've been, you know, trying to sift through my past and figure out exactly where this wound started and why it's there. Um, would you like to, for my help, go a little deeper on <laughs> how this narcissism started? And, and, and if it's too much, you totally understand. Um, no, nothing's too much for me at this point. <laughs> the only thing that I, <laughs> I'm, and it's, it's freaking for real, you know, because Luckily, I've come to a really cool place where I've, I see this as kind of a cosmic comedy. And a lot of things that we're experiencing, oh, shit. Okay, so Paul Check told me during a session that I had narcissistic tendencies. And there was, this was like 11 years ago, okay? And the first thing that I did was like, I'll have narcissistic tendencies, you do. Totally accurate. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. And so for the next few years, I'm like, narcissist. I'm like, what does he think? Is it, you know, like all the little things that you do when you're trying to fight, you fight, fight who you are. 
Mm. And then when you wake up one morning, you go, all right. And I'll, I'll never forget the moments that I was like, all right, okay. Let's just say that I am. <laughs> what would it look like if I was actually acting like a narcissistic bitch? And I was like, all right, well, here's what it would look like. And then you read back through the list and you're like, oh, shit, I do all those things. <laughs> I do every single one of those things. Why do I do those things? To feel safe. Because if I don't do these mm. things, I feel like people are going to attack me. I feel like I'm going down. I feel like that I won't be loved. I feel like I'll be left behind. I'll feel like I'm forgotten. Mm. And when, sure. when I work through that, all of the fear of being forgotten, fear of being left behind, what I recognized at the end of it, it was like kind of like the spiral that I had to work through. And down at the very bottom of the spiral was this little tiny nugget of, I do not have value here. I have to make value for my own self. Mm. And that was it. Wow. The word, uh, the word forgotten, I had to write down there because as you said it, I could feel the energy and the charge that it carried within, within my body and the stories that play in my mind. Um, so I'm definitely going to sit with that whenever that comes up next, probably in this week. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it will because um, it's showing its face a lot recently. So it's time for me to really, I've, I've gone in and done a little work around it, but um, now I'm in this uh, partnership. It, it's really, really coming out and I'm really, really seeing it. And I found it, it more comes out with my romantic partner. Is that, is that the same for you or does it? does it is it in all aspects of your life or was oh it? no the 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 romantic partner is the best one for you because it will trigger you the most mm -hmm. it's the one who goes into that lack of value and charges it and brings it to the surface so that you can heal it and what i recognized this was this theme of me pushing my husband far away by, by acting like I was disconnecting from him. So I would either start an argument or I would manipulate data to make it seem like he was responsible for something when really it was my responsibility. I didn't know really how to take responsibility for my own shit. Um, I only knew how to blame and put it on other people. And it, in those moments, it was this cycle. It was like, I'm gonna push you away to see if you'll leave me. And then I'll know that you're gonna reject me. Then I'll know that you're gonna abandon me. And then I don't have to worry about you anymore. Well, this guy was recognizing that that was going on and he stuck by my side and he knew like, ooh, I see what you're doing. And it's cyclic. It's a cycle that you have and you need to see if I'm gonna hang around for you, huh? So it, it shows up in your relationships because that's where the healing is. Yeah. Yeah. The old, the old saying that, you know, we, we date our parents. We, uh, we make them, whoever our romantic partner <laughs> is, is, is uh, normally, you know, our mother or our father. Or, 
an energetic equivalent at least because the the programs are vibrating at the same level yeah um now we titled this podcast all about like performance um so i'd love to start diving into a little bit of that um how do your programs your mental and emotional programs how they affect performance because if we as we've already alluded to if we've got these emotional wounds these disturbances in our mental field they are going to affect the way that we're able to show up in a, in a race in a mm. musical event in life <laughs> in whatever it is our craft is it's going to show up yeah i'm going to give you one example and it's going to be all-encompassing i did the mendocino running festival and i signed up for i forget what it was a half marathon or 26k or something like that and i started the event and i'm with the top three or four guys and immediately the mental programs start to run right i'm not this fast I'm not going to be able to maintain the speed. If I gas out in the first half, I'm not going to have enough energy for the second half. I really need to consider my strategy here. These are all the mental programs that start running. And so this mental program start running and it starts to bring up the emotions of what you would feel if you knew that you weren't good enough in the long haul. It's a feeling of being overwhelmed or a feeling of sadness. Okay. So I'm going, I'm going through with my plan though. I'm sticking with these guys and I am as fast as they are. And I separate in between me and the first of me and the second woman by like 15 minutes in the first 10 K. And then the next set of programs start running She's back there. She's on her way toward me. I don't know where she is at that point. I didn't know she was that far back, but the mental programs start running. Then the emotional programs of feeling panic, terror, fear that you can't hold first place the whole time, that you're not going to be first place. You're going to actually end up being fifth because you gassed yourself in the first half. You didn't pay attention and you got passed by four girls in the last 5K, which is you know, like typically the case if you gas out in the first 10K. But then I caught myself in those mental programs and that and those emotional programs. And I said, you know what? What if you just stayed here in this moment and you didn't worry about her being back there? You just said, I'm here. This is where I am. I am here and I'm going to run to the best of my ability. And I kind of separated out the mental program from my physical capabilities and kept just running at the pace that I was running. Because if I would have kept up with that mental program, then I can't breathe as well. I start mm -hmm. panicking a little bit and I have almost what feels like a, an athletic or athletically induced asthma attack. But it's just a panic that's created from my mental programs that she's back there, she's on her way, and she's going to hunt me down and pass me, which happens a lot in triathlon, by the way. <laughs> but I get to the last 5K, and 
we come around this bend and I look back, just, I know not to look back, but I look back and there's nobody there. I only have 3.2 miles to keep this pace. Hold it together. <laughs> Hold it together. There comes the mental programs again. Did I fuel myself well enough in the first 10K? Am I going to do something to my calf muscle? I mean, there were so many mental programs. And then again, it brings up the emotional programs. But you can see that within a basketball game, within a merger, a merging of two businesses, within a relationship with a partner, if you let your mental programs and your emotional programs dictate what's happening next, you're not going to let what's possible come and, f and be there. Mm -hmm. I crossed the finish line first, uh, female, and maybe like third or fourth overall. Beautiful. But yes. if you don't let that, if you don't recognize programs as being separate of you, mm -hmm. of not, I'm going to say separate of you, but not letting them control you, you, you can do so much more. Hmm. Yeah. And that's a true example of how we let our mental and emotional programs sabotage our lives and our relationships. And it sounds like you really used the work and really overcame and, and, and did the damn thing. And that's what we're here to do. And all these experiences are here to show us like, what are you going to do? Are you going to let them win and take the driver's seat? Or are you going to be in the driver's seat and let them get in the back? And uh, that's the power of the work in MSU. You know, before we close, Rachel, to anyone out there, okay, who's like, all right, okay, but I'm afraid. What do you say to them who want to take the leap of faith into really joining MSU and learning this work? You are allowed to be afraid because that is part of all of this. You're allowed to be afraid. However, if you're holding yourself back because of fear, if I would have held myself back because of fear coming into this program, I will say without a shadow of a doubt that my daughter would have been in completely different circumstances for the rest of her life. Mm. That my marriage... would not have had the intimacy that we have right now. Not sex, not orgasms. And that's not what I'm talking about. Into me, you see. Oh. Oh, Brought yeah. to you by, by, you know, I think Paul Check is where I originally heard that. Hmm. intimacy is, are you going to let me into your world? Are you going to be vulnerable enough and brave enough to let me into every facet of your world and not be afraid that I'm there? Yeah. So if you are sitting there wondering if you should do this work, wonder no more. <laughs> Don't do that to yourself as silly talk, as I would say to some of my clients, that is silly talk. The more hours that you spend not doing this work is getting you closer to the dysfunction that you don't want 
and the disharmony. You're only moving closer to the disharmony and the dysfunction if you don't do this work. Sign up now and we do a three-month coaching program and you get on board now. I will guarantee you, I'll put a freaking stamp on this one. That in three months when we talk, you're going to go, oh my God, Rachel, I would have done this three times over. And if you would have told me about this earlier in my life and how impactful this could have been for me, my family, if could have saved my marriage, I would have totally done it. Because you know what's more expensive? Lots and lots of therapy for your kids when they're older and divorce. Divorce is a lot more expensive than this. <laughs> in all kinds of ways. It's so true. So true. Um, and on that note, if anybody out there, if you want to work with Rachel, please visit msmasterselfuniversity.com and set up a free consultation with her. Um, and thank you so much for your time, Rachel. Please subscribe, rate, review, share this episode, share the podcast around. And until next time, we will see you guys then. Thank, thank you. you guys. Thank Bye. You guys.